Hi, I'm Denise Simpson, a master life and leadership coach who helps women step into their authentic and feminine power so they can lead like visionaries, influence with grace, and create a legacy of contribution and service. You'll hear about real leadership clients with real problems navigating their success in life, business, and career. If you're ready to become a masterful leader, then this podcast was made for you. So let's get started. Welcome back, leader. Today, we have a special replay of a public training I gave called the Visionary Leader 2023. This is the training I gave at the end of December, moving into January. And I did this on purpose at the end of the year, because visionaries are always looking forward. We're taking, of course, our past learnings. We are taking with us what serves us and we're leaving behind what doesn't. And it was perfect timing to do that so that we could look ahead into the next year. What I believe this will become is a summit that I will provide at the end of the year. This was such a great training. There was so much I couldn't cover, so much I couldn't include. And easily this could be a three-day live event, which is my intention for this coming year. So enjoy the replay of this very important training called The Visionary Leader 2023. And if you want to see this in person, or I should say on a video, we have that replay available to you over on drdenisesimpson.com. Take a look at the blog tab. That's where you'll find this video. So if you don't want to listen to it, you can head over there and watch. So my friend, enjoy this public training. It's a bonus for you today. And as always, I'm excited to serve you on our next podcast. Take good care. Let's just go. Let's just go with it. So what what you can expect on today's training is a two-part training. One part is the aha moments. It's the uh, the part of the training where you are open to receiving new insights. This is where I share with you about the visionary leader, what it means to, to, to be a visionary, the qualifiers of a visionary leader, why you are one and how you can demonstrate your vision in the world through your actions, your behaviors, and your habits. And we're also then going to move into live coaching. So if anybody's interested in being coached, you're going to raise your virtual hand, which is at the bottom of the screen. I'm going to pull you on. All I ask is that uh, we stay uh, in a quiet place, uh, a place where you can speak freely. Because in coaching, this is an opportunity for us to get vulnerable sometimes. And sometimes we're in a coffee shop or in a busy uh, lunchroom somewhere in our buildings, and uh, we have people listening in on our conversations. And so we want to be in a private area if that's possible. So get prepared for that if you want coaching. I am prepared to stay as long as I need to to support you. So... I also want to do a quick introduction of myself. For some of you may not know who I am. Um, you may know me on LinkedIn. You may know me uh, on the other social feeds. You may be on my email list, but you don't know what I do, who I am. So for those that know me, great. Those who don't, 
bear with me for just a minute. My name is Dr. Denise Simpson. I am a consultant. I'm a coach and I serve women leaders. They're on a path of leadership and I serve them. I help eliminate as many obstacles on their path. I help them leverage their brilliance on their path of leadership. So a woman leader comes to me when she needs support, either in the institution, in her organization, but also as a life coach. So I serve her in all areas of her life. And I do that through private coaching. And the only uh, private clients I have are in the executive suite level. They are C-suite or executive um, level um, leaders and through group coaching in the Masters of Leadership program for any woman at any level of leadership, she is invited to join us in that group program. So those are two ways that I get to work with women leaders in all industries, in all uh, with all backgrounds, um, with all experience levels. So I get to have a lot of fun. Slightly obsessed with this field of study. I have a PhD in leadership studies, but I started out as a Bath and Body Works manager when I was 19 years old and uh, sought management director, supervisory leadership positions throughout my um, 20s and 30s until I decided to get a formal PhD in this because of my obsession in this field, wanting to stay dynamic, wanting to stay current in this field. So I sought formal education in it. And I became a researcher and an academic, and now I get to serve women uh, at the top and and those who are on their journey of le- of leadership. So I have a re- really good time. So that's a little bit about me. And now we ha- we're going to get started on the meat of our time together. And so I know that it's now one twenty. I'm very conscious of your time. I know you are a busy leader. You have so much on your agenda today and you've chosen to be here. And so this says so much about you. You registering also tells me that you identify as a visionary, that somewhere, somehow you have a self-concept of a visionary leader. And so this is why you are here. Ultimately, you are here to leverage your brilliance. I'm not here to mine the brilliance out of you. You are coming to this training already with this brilliance, with this, with this, with this body of, of knowledge. You have evidence that you have impact in your organization or impact in your communities. So you are here because you want to leverage your brilliance. And so something in the title of this training got you excited about being a visionary leader and how to plan for 2023 as a visionary. And so we're going to talk about the tool that I use, that my clients use. It is the secret weapon. It is what we use individually, but also with our teams. It is called the results cycle. And we're going to get to that very, very soon. So my friend, you are excited about the visionary identity. We're going to look at some examples of what you have created for yourself because of the vision that you had for yourself. And so, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about where you are today. You today, the leader. So when we look at who we are today, we have to take into consideration our past. We have to look at what, who, how we were influenced to be who we are today. 
So I always take it back to childhood. I always take it back to our first examples of leadership, which were our parents, which were our our grandparents, our extended family members. For me, it was a very tight-knit community of Mexican-Americans along the Texas-Mexican border. So I have a subculture that influenced me. And so I have parents, the parents I was born to, their leadership, their values, their bias, and all the other interesting things that were embedded in me as a child. So think about for you, where you are today in your career, with the education level that you have, with the career that you have. I mean, if you want to look at your personal life, the family that you have created, the person you have decided to spend uh, or to create a family with or spend time with. Right. So here you are today. And we have to take stock of what and who and how we were created. I always like to think of this as all the spheres of influence in my life that made me who I am today. And that includes the socioeconomic level that I was raised in, the era that I was raised in, the political climate I was raised in the subculture of the Mexican-American community that I was raised in. I look at the high school that influenced me, my peer groups in high school. I look at all of the leaders that influenced me in these formative years. This is who we are today. So it's part of our neurology. It's what we've been embedded. And it's not until we, we look at a result in our lives that we realize something's not right. Why did I create this very negative result in my life? If I'm so smart, why is this so painful? And that's when we take a closer look through coaching as to why. What were those influences? What were what are what is the unconscious neurology that we're working with? The unconscious neurology is just what's not known to you. It is not what's conscious to you. And so through this time together today, I want for us to look at who we are today, what we have created in our lives today, not just our personal lives, but in our leadership practice. What have we created and and who do we owe that to? Who do we owe that to? Do we owe that to what we learned in our childhood? Do we owe that to being responsible women and being adults in in this stage in our lives for creating what we've created in our lives. And here's what's really interesting. I want us to look at the results that were the most unfulfilling, right? Because I believe life is 50-50, 50% joy, 50% not joyous. And so usually when we come to coaching, we're looking at a problem. We want a problem to be solved. And so I want for you to start looking at your life like a scientist. We're looking at this like it's an experiment. We're running an experiment. Life is an experiment. And so I want for you to look at the results that you've created so far that have been not as fulfilling. And this could be in areas of your life, like your personal life, your intimacy, your intimate relationships. It could be your health and wellness. It could be your your private finances. It could be in your health and wellness. And so start looking at these areas of your life. Now, here's what's interesting. The women I serve, they're at the top of the, the pyramid. They're at the top of the hierarchy. And these are women who say to me often, if I'm so smart, 
and I'm so successful here in this leadership area. Why am I not successful over here? Why can't I get this part right? And that's where we have to slow down and we have to, first of all, find awareness around you taking your your brain and your heart everywhere you go. So of course, there's parts of your life that we need to focus more attention on. A lot of my leadership clients say to me, I'm very different at work. I can separate my brain and my heart from my personal life and and my work life. That's not true, my friend. Your neurology and your heart is taken everywhere you go. So what we want to do is look at those areas of your life that are impacting your leadership, you being a visionary, because this is going to affect the trajectory of this vision that you have for yourself or for your team or for your organizations. So take a look at what we're bringing from the past and who we are today because of that past. But then now I want for you to look at the future. Where are we going? What are you wanting to create? Who are you wanting to take with you? What do you want to disrupt? What industry do you want to disrupt? What neurology do you want to disrupt? Because visionaries are always looking ahead, but we take into account our past. We don't ignore the past. We treat it. If it is a problem that a past has created in our lives today, we solve for it. So here we are now, but we're always looking forward. That's a visionary. We like we can turn our heads around. <laughs> Is it the owl that can turn its, its head um, 360 or something? So that's how I picture a visionary. It's like, that's right. That's right. I'm not going to forget my past. I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to take the learnings. I'm going to, I'm going to take what's serving me today and what I know is going to serve me in the future, but I'm going to leave the rest. I'm going to have grace. I'm going to have reverence for myself and for the people that impacted this result. And so we're going to leave that there, but we're going to carry what we need into the future. Visionaries are always looking for ways to solve problems. If you are a leader, you identify as a leader. You are already doing that every single day as a leader. You are looking for ways to anticipate, avoid, or mitigate problems. You are always on the alert. That is something that you have built. That's not something we're born with. That's not inherent to us. That is something that we have cultivated unconsciously to you or consciously to you through our roles, through life experiences. This is, this is, it's, it's now become second nature to us. And so you are already doing that. Let me, let me bring that to your attention. So if you're on this call saying, well, I'm not really a visionary. I'm actually here to learn about it. No, you are one. Because if you are leading yourself and you're leading your people, you're leading your family, you're leading your community members, or even your constituents, You, my friend, are already solving for problems ahead of time. And that's what a visionary gets to do. A visionary looks at an industry like like what I did. I saw an industry that was void, void of leadership development and training for women. Think about the organizations that you've served and the leadership trainings that you've received. They are blanket. They are cookie cutter trainings. And so I saw a void. 
here I was today. This was a few years ago. I'm still working on disrupting the industry. So here I was a few years ago saying, something's got to give. And guess what? I, I can do this differently. And guess what? I, I've got the skills, the knowledge, and the brilliance to disrupt this industry so that more women can enter the pipeline of leadership. I want to see them enter and then and end on top. I want them to, to, to have all of the, the knowledge, information, and tools to leverage her brilliance. That's, that's what I thought. Here I was, and I saw the gap. And so I'm on this visionary trip. I'm on a visionary journey. I'm looking ahead. I've been looking ahead, looking at how to serve as many women leaders as possible, because I know that there's a gap. So how about for you? The visionary, looking at ways to close the gap, to disrupt the industry, to maybe change the culture in her organization, maybe to change a policy in office. I have many clients who are public servants. They are always looking for ways to change, disrupt policy. They're looking for ways to help their constituents. They're looking for ways to to break generational curses. They're looking for ways to change and to secure generational wealth for groups. I have so many visionary clients that I help close that gap. So for you, what does that look like? What does being a visionary mean to you? Does that mean changing yourself, becoming someone that you didn't think you could become? Does that mean changing the generations that are coming behind you? Does that mean representing your ancestors or your foremothers in a way that they only wish they could? They could have. So what does being a visionary leader mean to you? So we want to take the past. We want to reframe what we need to reframe. We want to leave what does not serve us. And we want to take with us into the future what will serve us. But more importantly, what gaps are we lacking? What do we need to cultivate? What do we need to hone so that we can make this vision, make bring it into fruition? What do we need now? So we're bringing the past into the, into the present and from the present into the future. And so I want to share with you the top five qualifiers of a visionary leader. I think it's important that we talk about what a visionary leader is. Now, listen, you Google this information and you have a list of hundreds of, of traits, um, qualifications, um, all kinds of characteristics. I'm, call, I'm calling these qualifiers because this is, how, this is how we qualify ourselves as visionary leaders. No one is going to qualify us. That's something very important to understand. We are qualifying ourselves. And I chose the top five qualifiers that we need to consider. And I'm taking out my notes because I lost them when uh, everything shut down here on me. Okay. So let's start with number one, open-mindedness. Open-minded is, I believe, the number one qualifier. And here is why, my friend self-awareness, being open to your blind spots, having self-honesty, having a look at our past and being honest with why we created what we created today because of the neurology, because of the conditioning, because of the, the patterns that we were unfairly embedded with 
when we were little girls. And so start opening up your mind to the possibility of not being right. And also being open-minded to the to, to taking accountability for what you've created as an adult today. So self-awareness is the number one skill that executive leaders are looking to develop. Self-awareness in a, in a Cornell University study studied a group of executive leaders. And the number one predictor of success for these leaders was self-awareness. And not only were they self-aware, but their teams were self-aware. They practiced, they demonstrated, they showed through their actions, their ability to have self-awareness. So teams were also learning how to be open-minded, how to see their blind spots, how to ask for help, being open to being wrong, being open to being right, being open to having more capacity than they even thought they would have. And so open-mindedness comes from being self-aware. So that's the number one qualifier here. So I say mindset is 70% of your leadership practice because a lot of us are trying to outwork our self-doubt. A lot of us, and this is where burnout comes in, a lot of us are taking massive action without the proper mindset. So here we are working so hard to prove to somebody, to prove to our teams, to be likable, for our, our leaders to trust us, for, for us to have this promotion. So we're out working ourselves because of a self-doubt belief, because of a belief that we're not worthy, because of a belief that we don't belong in the C-suite, because of a belief that we must be liked to be impactful leaders. So here we are taking all this action and we're avoiding the mindset work the open-mindedness work, the self-awareness work. This is why 70% of your leadership practice is mindset. So we cannot avoid the self-awareness work. And so this is why I named this our number one qualifier. So number two is solution-focused. Like I said, you all, you're, ready, you're already doing that. Every day you come into your organization and you're looking for ways to avoid, anticipate, or mitigate problems. You are there looking for solutions. You don't dwell on a problem. You figure out the source of the problem and then you come up with a solution and your brain works hyperspeed. Sometimes it takes a moment to 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 converse with your employees to look at where the systems broke got, were broken to see where their cracks are in the foundation and then you get to work in solving for that problem you are a leader who was hired to solve for problems so a visionary leader is always in that mindset and remember i said that the visionary leader is always looking for ways to solve a problem in their industry in their organization, in the culture of their organization, maybe in their communities, maybe in the justice system, somehow, somewhere, wherever you have found a problem, you are envisioning a solution for that problem. So you, my friend, are already doing that at a different level of the game. So solution-focused is the second qualifier. The third qualifier is innovation and imagination. I put those two things together. 
because I believe these two go hand in hand. We are innovating through the solutions we're finding, through the solutions we are uh, wanting to incorporate. We are looking for ways to innovate a system, to innovate a procedure. We're looking for ways in solving for this problem through our creativity, through our imagination. We are forward thinkers always. But yes, we take stock of our past. We give credit where credit's due. We leave what doesn't serve us anymore, but we're always looking forward. And this is what we do through our quarterly, annually goals that we have in our organizations. We're always moving the needle forward. We always want to improve customer service. We're always wanting to improve employee engagement. We're always wanting to impact the ROI of our organizations. We're always moving forward. And we do that through being innovative. To do things that that our industry hasn't seen before, that's something that I'm doing right now through my work. I'm I'm disrupting this industry of leadership development and training for women leaders. I'm disrupting this. I'm I'm incorporating new ideas. I'm incorporating new frameworks. I'm learning from my past. I'm learning from my current clients, but I'm also looking at trends. I'm looking at patterns. I'm looking at forecasts. What is going to happen in the workforce? This is something that happened right before COVID and the great resignation. That happened with many people, but the focus is on women leaving the organizations, leaving the workforce period. So before that, I saw something funny happening with my clients way before COVID even happened. There was so much dissatisfaction in organizations. Of course, this is what I learned firsthand through my clients. And so when COVID came about, that was it. It was the breaking point. That was it. The dam was broken and the resignation, the great resignation took over the workforce. And now in 2022, we're seeing the great breakup. I talk about it on my podcast, the great breakup, how to avoid the great breakup, how to maybe reframe the way you're looking at the relationship with your employer. And so the great breakup is women who are still in the workforce, who stayed in the workforce through COVID, but they're breaking up with their organizations, meaning that they're switching jobs. They're switching organizations. They're breaking up with their current organization. They're staying in the workforce, but they're moving into another exciting relationship. (laughs) It's so weird. The great breakup. I, I don't know who named that. I hope it wasn't a dude, but listen, we are breaking up with our organizations. And so here I am tapped into my clients' firsthand experiences, but I'm also tapped into the research, what's happening today. But then I have a lens of the past. I have a lens from the great man theory in the 1900s all the way to the theories that have led us to today, including all of the turmoil and all of the the readjustments that had to happen during COVID. So here I am today using that data, and I'm looking forward into the future because I'm a visionary. I'm looking at what's next. What's going to change for the workplace for women? How how will it change for women? I'm always looking ahead. And then I'm building systems. I'm building frameworks and curriculum to support them in the future, which makes me innovative which makes me imaginative. I'm using my creativity to create a future 
That's the vision. So that's number three on the top five qualifiers, innovation and imagination. I guess it could be six with these two, but I wanted to lump these two together because they go hand in hand. Number four on the top qualifiers of a visionary leader is goal-oriented. That's kind of like a, yeah, of course it would be. Results matter to you. You were not only hired to solve problems in your organization, but you were hired to create results, either individual results or perform or team performance results. So results matter to you. You're always looking for ways to measure results. You're always looking at the quantitative data, data and the qualitative data. You're looking for the numbers, but you're also looking for firsthand feedback from your employees or your, your leaders. So you're always looking at measuring. How do we measure our, our results? The impact. How are we measuring the impact of our leadership? Well, we do that. And, and leaders, or our supervisors are doing that for us, aren't they? Every year we get our annual performance reviews. You are initiating performance reviews for your team members or for your employees. And so everything is measured. So you are already inherently have developed because of the years of your experience. It is now second nature to be goal-oriented. And listen, we're ambitious leaders. You know, we, we, we've created some great success in our lives because of goals that we've measured. And so we're, that's just, this is a visionary leader. This is who you are. So these, these five, by the way, should not surprise you because you're already practicing these qualifications or qualities. Number five is emotional awareness. Now, number one is open-mindedness. That's self-awareness. That's, that's the in, internal, uh, um, uh, it, the, the um, internal dialogue, assessing who you, who you are, what your, your gaps are, what your um, strengths are. That's the, the, the open-mindedness being open uh, to your flaws, being open to your capabilities. Number five on the emotion is emotional awareness. This is where you, my friend, practice awareness around your emotions. So in the field of leadership study, we talk so much about emotional intelligence. Brene Brown talks about vulnerability uh, in leadership. So many people talk about empathy in leadership. And for me, I choose the word compassion when it comes to leadership. I avoid the word empathy when I am with my clients. Empathy, I tell them, save that for your family members. Compassion is reserved for your employees. Here's the difference. Think of someone drowning in a pool. And think of you being at the, at the edge of the pool, seeing that person drowning. And here you are, not certain whether you can save this life, but you decide to jump in the pool and that person is pulling you down to save themselves. And it turns out you don't get to make it. This is how I view empathy. We drown ourselves in the experiences of our employees. We don't have an ability to separate ourselves to stay objective, but compassionate in the situation. 
there's so so many studies in sociology, especially for those in therapy, the uh, therapists or social workers or people who are 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 working in the mental health um mental health area. These are people who are trained to be compassionate and not empathetic. There is a case for being compassionate in these fields of study so that the facilitator or a leader can remain removed enough to be able to think clearly, to be able to remain objective, but yet compassionate that your employee is suffering. But you get to separate yourself or at least have some distance between you and that 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 crisis or whatever experience that they're having. It's an opportunity for you to stand back and be able to give value, be able to be objective in your response, to be able to solve or help your employees solve for their problem with an objective mindset. So emotional awareness, number five on this list is so important because you too, my friend, need to understand what your trigger points are, right? We're humans with hearts and brains, and there are things that bother us in our organizations. Sometimes we make something mean something about ourselves. You know, I, I we talk a lot about microaggressions in the workplace. We talk a lot about feeling disrespected in the workplace. We talk a lot about what we make others' behaviors mean about us. And that makes us feel a certain way. And when we feel a certain way, like like defeated, like unworthy, like disrespected, we then go and behave from these negative emotions. So we need to understand what triggers we have as leaders, especially the emotional triggers, and then how we can regulate those emotions, how we can work on those emotions during our our work day so that the whole day doesn't go to hell because (laughs) our subordinate, you know, said something, you know, negative to us, right? There, There are tools that my clients use to take them through the rest of their day without falling apart. And so coaching allows us to do that. So those are five qualifiers. Let me just quickly repeat them. And then I'm going to show you the good stuff because that's what you came here for. Top five qualifiers of a visionary leader. Again, open-mindedness. And you are already, my friend, you are solution-focused. You are number three, innovative, and you have imagination. Number four, you're goal-oriented. And number five, you have emotional awareness. And so here's what's important before we move into, and I'm going to share with you my screen, only two slides that I have. Before we move into that, I want to share with you that visionary leaders have a very strong foundation of leadership principles. They're already great leaders. A visionary is exceptional. A visionary is 10 steps ahead of an average leader. You are always looking into the future. Yes, like I said, we take our past into consideration. Fantastic, wonderful. We take what we need forward, but we leave the rest. But we're also looking at ways to bring our people into the future. And so the visionary leader is is looking at results for herself 
if it is a personal goal, if it is a personal vision she has for herself, she's creating that for herself. But if you're creating this for the workplace, you are in an organization and you are wanting to, you know, there's a campaign you're looking to start. There is a project you're looking to facilitate and you're looking to take your employees into this future with you. Then we're going to do that too. You'll be able to do that with what I'm about to share with you. So you can use this in those two ways. So let me go ahead and share with you my screen. Again, only two slides. Uh, Let's see here. Shut that down and over here. Okay, here we are. (laughs) Wow, that tech glitch really threw us off. Fun. But we're visionaries. We, we, We can maneuver through anything here. All righty. And share screen. Here we go. Okay. I use Canva for everything. Everything. I don't know if if you know what Canva is, um, but it has saved me from um, using uh, Google presentation or even Keynote or even um, PowerPoint. So here is the results cycle. Listen, this is the secret weapon. Well, it's not so secret now, I suppose. Uh, This is what we use inside of my programs. The result cycle. This makes so much sense. It'll make so much sense to you once I explain this really quickly. So this is taken from cognitive behavioral therapy. You talk to any psychotherapist, you talk to any licensed therapist, this is probably what they're using in their sessions. This is also used in positive psychology. It is also used in neuroscience and in neuro-linguistic programming, and of course, other coaching principles. So this is not new. This is not something I created. This is something that I use every single day with my own self-coaching. And of course, what my clients use to create any result in their personal lives or in their leadership practice. And so let's start with beliefs, because this is the foundation of every single result (laughs) that you create in your life. So your beliefs, they are conscious and unconscious statements. They're like sentences in your brain. There's some ideas, you have concepts that you believe to be true. And these beliefs highly influence your thoughts. We're going to get to thoughts in just a moment. Let's just have a second here in this beliefs block. Your beliefs, where did you get these beliefs from? Your beliefs were created through your life experience, maybe even through your upbringing, right? Things that we believe in our culture. For those of us who are faith-driven, we have beliefs from our religious practices. We have beliefs about our creator. We have beliefs about our purpose in life. We have beliefs about who we are as women and how we should behave as women. So these beliefs were embedded in our neurology somewhere, somehow. And so the beliefs are the foundation of all of your thoughts. Then think about this before I move into the thoughts section. You filter the world through your belief systems. Let me repeat that again. You filter the way you see the world through your belief systems. You have these beliefs that are barriers to new information. You have these beliefs that 
keep you from being open-minded. These are beliefs that you think they're true. You believe to be true. And a belief is a thought that has, has become a habit. That's all that is. It is a thought that has now become a habit. That's how we create beliefs in our neurology. So when we have a belief system, let's say a belief system about money, and maybe the belief system is money doesn't grow on trees. you got to work really hard. And if you're a woman, that's extra hard. I mean, these are the beliefs I had about the money I was earning as a woman leader. I believed I had to prove myself 10 times harder. I had to come at people even harder to show them that I was worthy of that paycheck. I was worthy of that salary. So I had an interesting belief system about the money I was earning in the workplace. And when I had that belief system, it's a block. I think of it as a big block. And from that block are thoughts. Thoughts that, like I just mentioned, I rattled off five, six, six thoughts that have created that belief system. So those thoughts are sentences in your mind. Your th- their thoughts are produced by your belief systems. And these thoughts, we're going to talk about what it produces, which are emotions or feelings. Excuse me, emotions and feelings. So you and I have 65,000 thoughts a day. That is recorded. That is neuroscience. 65,000 thoughts a day. Now, some of us who are overthinkers probably have close to 90,000 thoughts a day. And what the neuroscience shows is that 70% of the thoughts that you think every day, between 65,000 and 90,000 thoughts, 70% of them are negative thoughts. Is that interesting or what? Negative thoughts that we think about 70% of the day. And so let's move into the thoughts that are producing and thoughts do produce emotions and feelings. Okay, so let's move into the next block, feelings. Feelings are the physical interpretation of an emotion. That's all that is. So a thought comes through your neurology and neurochemicals are released into your body. The feeling you feel in your body is is that. It's a feeling from the emotion. So here we use emotions and feelings interchangeably, but in neuroscience, there is a difference between an emotion and a feeling. So we're going to talk about feelings here. Feelings are just the physical interpretation or the vibration in your body. Now, feelings produce a behavior. So take a look at this. So once you have a belief system, you think a thought, you have a feeling because it's produced by that thought. You then behave from that feeling. Your behaviors are the output of your feelings. You take action from the emotional and cognitive state that you are in. So let's say that belief system that I just shared with you is that I have to work extra hard as a woman to earn a six-figure salary in an organization. And one of those thoughts is I have to come at them hard every day so that they know I'm worthy of this. But when I feel that thought, when I think that thought, I feel defeated. I feel maybe discouraged. I feel exhausted. There are many feelings that can come from this one thought, but I get to choose the one that I want to look at closer. But then here's what's really important. When I feel defeated because of that thought, what actions do you think I'm taking? 
Sometimes I just Netflix and chill. Sometimes I run away from a project. Sometimes I go hard. I go even harder. Sometimes I just suppress. I numb. I eat my way through some of those feelings, right? So those are the behaviors that come from that feeling. And then guess what the result is? The result is the thought, just finding more evidence for that thought to be true. Your results are the output of your behavior. That's it. The results you create in your life are a direct reflection of your beliefs. So this is why it's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle, depending on what results you're creating from the belief system that is not serving you. This is how we look at our past. This is how we visionaries are looking at the past that created the results we have today, because now we're looking into the future. So what needs to change? Do your beliefs need to change? Or, do, you, or do, do your behaviors need to change? No, we always go to this foundation piece, the belief system, because from here, everything is impacted. From here, your beliefs will then influence your thoughts, which will create feelings. Then actions or behaviors will be taken from those feelings. And then ultimately the results that you're creating in your life. So you can use this on a personal level, which is what my clients use for their personal lives. If they're looking for a weight loss goal, this is the the result cycle they use. We take the belief system that's either hindering or helping them. We identify what belief systems are running these thoughts. And so if she wants to be intentional, she needs to find a belief system that's going to support a 50-pound weight loss. She wants to look at a thought. She wants to choose a thought, one declarative sentence. A thought that's going to create a feeling of motivation, of inspiration, of a feeling that's going to help her take action, which her behaviors will reflect from that feeling that she wants to create. And then ultimately the result is a 50 pound weight loss. And she does this every single day. This becomes a five minute experience. This is not a, a, an all-day exercise. This happens very quickly, and it happens before she serves the world. It happens before everybody demands her attention. She takes the time to do this cycle every single morning, five minutes a day, because her results are important to her. She, she wants to measure the results that she wants to create in her life, and this is how she does it. And so what you're going to do is also use this for your team. If you are looking for specific results you want to create in your organization, what does your team need to believe? Do they need to believe that the result they're creating is going to impact, is actually going to make a difference in the organization? Do they need to believe that they have the capacity to reach new levels of knowledge, new levels of skill? Do they need to believe that they're highly valuable and that you care deeply about their success in the organization? What do they need to believe to create the result that your team, that you and your team want to create? This is not necessarily something you, you, you would like to share with them. You don't have to share this with them. This is something that you can do because as a leader, you're a coach. <laughs> Leaders are coaches. That's what you do every day. You're coaching your employees. So this could be something that you keep close to your chest. This could be something that you use privately. 
this would be a great exercise if you want to get the team together to look at what beliefs they need. Now, if this gets too close to, to personal development, because team members have different belief systems about themselves and about their teammates. So you be the judge of whether you want to use this openly or use this for yourself. You know your employees inside and out. You know what motivates them. You know what triggers them. You know how to inspire them. And so you can keep this again close to your chest and you get to work through this every day with them. And it, and it's not it's not a very explicit way of coaching. It's a very subtle way of moving them from what they need to believe to what they need to think, how you want them to feel as they're taking action towards the result that you want them to create. It could be that subtle. It could be that simple. And so the results worksheet is um, really important because this is this. you can run copies of this and I'm going to send this via email to everybody um, who registered for today's uh, time with me. We're going to send this to you along with um, this result cycle so that you can see the explanations and then you can work on these yourself. And this third slide just has them together so that you can see as you're working through the worksheet, the explanation of each of these blocks. So that this is the result cycle. This is the, I like to say, the, the secret weapon. This is what we get to use for our personal development, for our professional development. For those of us who are leading teams, we use this subtly in our leadership practices. Again, you can use this explicitly if you want, but because you have, a, you know, depending on how large your team is, they have different belief systems. They have different beliefs about themselves and their peers. Because remember what we're doing every day is comparing ourselves to others. And that's what your team is doing with one another. They may be a cohesive group, but they're always measuring themselves against their peers. And so that may, again, you be the judge of whether you want to use that results cycle and worksheet openly. But again, there's a way to do that subtly because you are a coach. <laughs> Leaders are coaches. Okay. So that is the results cycle and worksheet. I want to open this up for coaching. Because coaching is where you get to see this in action. If you are ready, raise your virtual hand for me. I would love to share the screen with you. If you are in a private area where you are able to be authentic, to be yourself, to not worry if someone else is listening in on our conversation, then raise your virtual hand at the bottom of your screen. It says raise hand there and we can get some coaching. If no one is interested in coaching, no worries. I, I will share with you while we wait for someone to raise their hand. I will share with you opportunities for us to take this deeper, right? Because you learned about the visionary leader. You came onto this training because something about this training enticed, excited, or compelled you. Somewhere, somehow in your brain, you identify as a visionary leader. I mean, a lot of women aren't saying, well, I'm a visionary. You know, yeah, sure I am. No, that's not in our nature. And so a lot of us are unconsciously identifying as a visionary. We know we're disruptors in our industries. We, we know we think differently than our peers. We know that we were made to become these amazing leaders. We know we want more. We know we have capacity for more. 
And so something about this training called to you. And now you're here learning about the visionary leader. And so the training doesn't end here. There's opportunities for us to work together, either privately. Like I said, I only see clients at the private level, in the executive level, or in the C-suite level. We do have opportunities for group coaching with other leaders who are on the path of leadership. These are women who are managers, directors, supervisors, mid-level or mid-career leaders. We also have some C-suiters in there. But for the most part, these are women who are interested in professional development every single month because we, we do masterclasses every month on provocative, compelling, interesting topics that you can take into your leadership practice right away. Every time I build a curriculum, every time I build a training, it's so that you can use this immediately. So I'm not in the theoretical academic ivory tower. I'm here molding my hands in the clay with you. These are practical strategies that you get to take into your life and your organization. And that's why we do this amazing work inside Masters of Leadership. So masterclasses every month, group coaching many times a month. We have opportunities to network. We have opportunities to mastermind with each other because this is where we get to support one another because leadership feels like like we're in a vacuum sometimes. Leadership feels like a lonely road. It feels like we're out there on the bleeding edge trying to keep it all together. And so this is an opportunity for you to join the rest of us who are molding the clay with our employees. We are in the trenches with our employees. We're doing what needs to be done. We're getting personal development and professional development inside Masters of Leadership. So that is uh, an offer that I want to share with you and would love for you to take me up on that offer. It is a monthly program. So you're in there for as long as you need us. If you're in there for just a season, because that's all you need us for, fantastic. If this is something you need long-term, there are opportunities for your employer to be charged. So an invoice can be sent to your HR department or even your leader to to, uh, pay the invoice. So you get to stay with us as long as you want and enjoy the, the support that you get and the expert training and master level executive coaching that you're going to get in there. So Masters of Leadership is where you want to go. DrDeniseSimpson.com forward slash M-O-L, M-O-L. Okay. So it looks like we don't have any takers today. Okay. I'm going to, by the way, I'm looking at our time and I'm going to end our call in about one minute. I am going to um, provide more trainings like this for our friends, for our leaders who are out there. So if you found this over on LinkedIn because I invited you privately, great, stay there. Stay connected with me there. I will be offering more opportunities like this. I've been, I haven't been able to do this in 2022, but 2023 is really about serving as many women leaders out here doing the great work, the visionary leaders that I want to support. So uh, if you have questions, reply to any of my emails. I and my my uh, assistant um, answer those, or you can join me inside Masters of Leadership and we can see you in there. All right. Thank you so much for joining. And thank you so much for putting up with our tech problems early on in our training today. I'll see you all very soon. Take good care.
Hey leader, do you want weekly leadership tips, coaching, and training straight to your email inbox? Yeah, I thought so. Head over to drdenisesimpson.com forward slash leadership. Again, that's drdenisesimpson.com forward slash leadership. Just submit your name and your email address and we'll get started right away. I look forward to serving you inside your email inbox. See you soon.